0: Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at the buglepodcast.com. That, that bit's important.
1: Planning for your next trip? chances are if you like this podcast you'll like other podcasts made by lush so why not listen to the lush podcast it's a podcast it's made by lush hence the name find it where you find podcasts
3: usually on the internet welcome to tiny revolutions with me tiff stevenson the podcast that asks if comedy can be a force for social change Welcome to Tiny Revolutions, Sarah Pascoe. I'm clapping you on. Thank you so much for my tiny applause. (laughs) Tiny Revolutions with tiny applause. Uh, Welcome to the show, and you are the perfect guest for this show. One of the first people I thought of when we came up with the concept for the show, because I believe you are someone who affects social change through your comedy. Oh, that's a nice thing to say. Uh, Yeah, and you can say it about someone else if you say it about yourself. You're an arsehole. Yeah. Um... Those, those people are always <laughs> affecting very negative social change. Yeah. yeah. I'm affecting social change by making everyone around me want to leave. Yeah. So there's a, there's a change. Um, do you believe broadly that comedy can be a force for social change?
0: Uh, I believe that as a commentary on society at large, there are lots of possibilities for comedy. But I also believe that act of joking invo- involves flippancy. And I can think of lots of examples like, um, actually, Simon Amstel, who did some amazing jokes. I remember the first time I saw him joking about being vegan. It was about the first man who drank thought to drink milk from a cow. And I thought it's such an incredible thing because no one in the audience, no matter what they eat, feels lectured or hectored by you because the bit's just so surreal. And then he made his film Carnage. And it was this really incredible piece of vegan propaganda that people didn't realise at first because they were just watching Simon Amstel's funny film.
3: Yeah, yeah, So
0: And so I do, I can definitely think of examples where I go, whoa, and it, something reaches so many more people because it's palatable and fun.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I think that of, uh, when I think about your comedy, I think about... Uh, on on a couple of things. I think about things we share and things we don't share. So points of view we share and we don't share. Yeah. And seeing as you brought up veganism early, let's talk about that. Because you were at my house the other day. Yeah. Sarah came to my house, it was at night, there might have been wine drunk. And um I have an all white leather sofa, so I had a little panic of putting a throw down, going, Oh Sarah, I didn't know you were coming. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would have bought a different sofa. I
2: would have bought a different sofa. That's interesting though,
0: because I remember once seeing why was I watching it? I must have had a boyfriend who's into Morrissey and Russell Brand was interviewing him in the beginning of the interview was him saying I can't sit on your sofa and I thought what a silly thing to do that was because that's the kind of maybe it's the other way around maybe Morrissey wouldn't sit on Russell Brand's sofa maybe it's that way around and I thought that's what makes people feel that you're judging them yes and I I actually feel that some people shut off and go oh god I hate vegans or I hate vegetarians or because they feel like you're about to tell them off
3: yeah. Yeah. And you were really funny. You were like, it's fine. I didn't kill it. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I didn't either. It's yeah. actually from my mum. Oh, good. Your mum your mom, mom killed, <laughs> killed it. My mum killed it. My mum went out killed it with her bare hands. Um, it was DFS, I yeah. think. It was also, lots of, lots
0: of people who don't eat meat are actually fine with leather because it's a byproduct. Mm. So everyone has different systems with that anyway. Because you'll find vegans will probably have leather sofas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well,
3: you're different lines in the sand, I suppose. Yeah, that's exactly that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, Sarah was fine with that. So just, just you know, if, if you come, uh, if Sarah comes around to your house, uh, a leather sofa, and you have a leather sofa, she will sit on it, uh, but she won't judge you. No. So that's, yes, yeah, that's nice, isn't that's, it? Yeah. That's exactly, yeah, I think there's a thing of where you feel like there's a moral judgment, it makes it difficult, because I've had debates like that with people before. And sometimes for me, I find the line morally quite difficult when mm. I've had friends who are like hardcore uh, vegetarians or vegans, mm. one friend in particular, yeah. that like, this is like going back like to my 20s, yeah. who... Relentlessly cheated on his partner. So, my thought in my head then was like, you're really great when it comes to animals and animals. Animal yes. rights, but you're shitty to humans. Yeah,
0: I, there's that, and all the other one. Actually, what I thought it was going to say then, because I think you've done stand up about It's people who are really kind of moralistic, but take cocaine, yeah. and they're really <laughs> yeah. like, oh no, because it happens a lot with being vegan. Actually, the people go, um, have you looked into soy? Actually, because soy is really terrible for the environment. And then you go, well, actually, I have actually, because it's um, most of soy goes to feeding animals that are killed for meat, and, <laughs> and then and then they're like, no, and so all about the human costs, right? And yeah. then apart from
3: yeah and that's why and that's why I love your your kind of like you it's not you don't preach about it you don't make anyone feel bad about it and I think that's the best kind of way like you say like Simon Amstel yeah
0: well some people this is the thing about comedy and this is why I always stress that I'm not an activist because that is where people do absolutely switch off from you no one wants to be told especially I think if your job is to be a clown like you can't I, I, I hate when I see and it's it must be middle-aged men that I find most triggering, shouting at me like they've got all the answers. And it's like, I'm looking at you, mate. You're in your third marriage. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me you've got the answers. No, I don't care what you think about Christianity. <laughs> it's like, stop shouting.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the um, yeah, exactly. That goes for religion across across the board you want to be able to... It's fine to be atheist and it's fine to pick apart religion and it's all up for grabs and Mm. it's all up for critical thought, debate, discussion and comedy. Mm. However, when you tell people they're idiots for believing a thing and there is one comic on the circuit who has a has a joke kind of going, if you do grow up. And you think, wow, like the certainty of that opinion, I suppose. I saw another comic, Mm. quite a young comic, doing stuff about religion. I was like, you've barely lived. So the idea that you would be so certain and so fixed. absolutely. Well, everyone's got, number one, everyone's got at least one blind spot,
0: right? And all stand-ups have to understand that. Whenever you think you're so sure of something, that might be yours. And also, I want stand-up to be interesting. If you're going to talk about something like the Quran. Be fascinating about it. Make me feel cleverer and stimulate me. And some telling people that because they believe... Telling, someone's saying, oh, God's a fairy in the sky. I'm like, this is boring. Like, my dad said that when I was seven. Be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: We were talking about this before we started the pod, but it is worth mentioning in context of comedians doing stand-up shows. When I leave a show, I like to be feel a little bit nourished, but also kind of go oh, I disagree with that, or make me question it, or I've learned something, Mm. and that's the beauty of comedy. But I think, also, I think
0: maybe um, imbibing anything cultural, like a podcast or reading a book, I don't have to necessarily agree with everything, but I do want to see someone's argument laid out in a way where I feel like I can engage with it, and telling people, you're right, end of, full stop, isn't that? Saying, this is how I've come up with my opinion, and here's my train of thought, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah.
3: how how I got to the point, not what the point is, but how I arrived there. Yeah, yeah. At the destination, the journey. Um, so, do you think? So, I would like to ask you about mm. this as a broader thing. Like, what what brought you to veganism, or what point was it in your? Because I'm trying to think if the yeah. whole time I've known you.
0: Yes, yeah, so it was about the same time as I started stand up, but it was an accident. As in, I was one. Of, I've always been a kind of vegetarian, and I say kind of because I did. Um, Rufus Ham's got a radio show called My Teenage Diary. And I've always told people I've been vegetarian since I was seven. I remember because I went to a farm on a school trip. And I thought, and my dad, when I got home, asked me what I thought farms were for. And I said, so children can learn about animals. <laughs> he really, <laughs> really laughed. Oh, that's and so I, cute. And I was like, so that we can learn about them. And he was like, no, and told me why. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I'm a vegetarian. But basically, all my teenage diaries, I keep forgetting. And it's, I'm just always eating chicken burgers. And so <laughs> I've always been an awful non-vegetarian and um, became a vegan because I was in a play with some Buddhist actors Now that's really interesting because Buddhism is, a, is, is kind of a goalless philosophy and acting is a very goal driven <laughs> and so I hadn't realised there's a form in, in London I think there's a Buddhist centre which is for actors so you can chant for everyone at the audition <laughs> like rather than just yourself Wow It's so it was really fascinating their belief system was fascinating and, and I did that very vegetarian thing which happens to me now where people meet me and they go oh I am a vegetarian which means like oh I am in the club I'm just not like one of the prefects and, <laughs> And um, one of the actors, she lent me a book about the dairy industry and I found it such a shock because I just didn't know. I just, I really, really ignorantly, and I must have been, I was, I was 27, I wasn't young, I thought the cows lived outside and they had to look for the eggs in the forest every morning and I just hadn't realised that animals were in factories. And, so, yeah. and, then, and then once you know it, it actually can become gross quite quickly. Like milk in particular... I don't feel like, "Mm, I wish I could have some. I like, oh my, it makes me feel disgusted. Do you just go, hormones? It's not about hormones, it's about pus, actually, as well. Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> so, and also, so that's the thing, and I'm, this is not me trying to, again, propaganda. No, no but I would like to know, yeah, so, I'm asking. Okay, so yeah. the average age of a cow in, in that kind of like uh, super farm dairy is uh, about 18 months. They don't live very long, so they're basically baby girls. And um, they have the te- the electronic teats milkers on constantly, so they don't get taken off. They just stand there and they're fitted. And be- when you have, I mean, it's a, you can imagine it's the same with our bodies, but if you have something fitted all the time, your skin reacts to it. They get scabs and they ulcerate into the milk, which is why they need so many antibiotics. So they put them on antibiotics all the time because, and there's, yeah, there's lots of stuff like that, which is, I think what quite happens with empathy in lots of ways. I think exactly the same with lots of kind of human causes. If it hasn't occurred to you, you don't even know to care about it. Yeah. And so quite often we all have these like little, again, like I say, like these blind spots we don't realize. Like lots of people with the clothing industry You just think, you just trust that no one's really that evil. and then someone's like oh yeah <laughs> capitalism <laughs> yeah yeah.
3: but boo that's what we need to take down although I feel like feminism has become very capitalist but that's a whole other but everything becomes capitalist like Eventually, you can make money yeah. out of everything
0: yeah and also because b- being rich at something is a sign of suc- succeeding mm-hmm. at it so of course
3: Beyonce is suddenly like she's the most success- successful feminist look what she's doing yeah, yeah. I, I, I noticed it recently I think with Pride mm-hmm. I think it was a coffee shop I'm, I'm not, I, I could say the name but it might be wrong it might, and we might get trouble on the podcast just name them uh, all uh, name them all Cafe Costa Uh, Cafe Costa Bucks yeah Uh, and they had a pride cup and I was like I think I looked up the place that it was and they had like zero hour contracts and I was like Mm, enjoy that equality while you swallow your zero-hour Yeah. So I sometimes find those contradictions really weird. It was like the, uh, there was a t-shirt, I think it was Dior, yeah. that used the, uh, um, is it Chamandi quote? That yes. we should all be yes. feminists. Yeah. And it was like available up to like a size 12 and it yes. was like 500 pounds. Yeah. So like, yeah. yeah, I mean, unless you're over 12, don't well, be feminine. Well, there's a really yeah.
0: interesting, uh, I think it's a Freakonomics podcast about that exact thing, which is that um, basically virtue signaling for certain companies And how it earns you more money. And Starbucks had a thing where... It was a really horrible thing that happened in America where um, a black man who who went to use the toilet while I was waiting for his friend, was they called the police on him. They asked him to leave and then called the police. And then all the Starbucks in America closed down for 24 hours for training. And while technically they lost money, it was such an incredible exercise. And there's people in PR whose job it is to make companies look ethical. And people then end up drinking so much more... They have this brand loyalty because they go, this terrible thing happened and they did the right thing about it. And... um, podcast you can hear some of the training that they had about race relations and unconscious unconscious bias bias. yeah yeah
3: I I always feel like I'm not careful with I mean I had a bit in my last show about race but it was Mm. about my unconscious bias Mm. and my own prejudice um and I think it's important to unpack that but I think you need to be careful to not speak on behalf of yeah but you can say how you feel as an individual, yes. but you can't say I'm speaking on behalf of black women and yeah. this is how they fit or black yes. people, you know, you go, yeah. I don't know that. So that's no, not my experience. I, I, I
0: have exactly the same thing. Stressing. This is I'm not talking on behalf of all women now. Cause I, I talk about biological things quite a lot. And there are lots of women who weren't, Born as biological women, and you absolutely exclude them if you go. Women get PMT, am I right? You have instantly gone. Oh, that's the only type of woman that there is. Yes. And yeah. so, and and I've heard other people saying like, oh, it really slows you down if you make qualifiers. It doesn't. Like it just as long as you know what you're trying to say, it slips off the tongue, no one else notices. I've stopped saying um, a couple of tools. Guys, stopped saying ladies and gentlemen at the beginning before going on stage, and um, and you think. The pe- no one else will notice. Yes. But the, the, the people you don't want to exclude and you want to feel like they're welcome to come and enjoy your subjective worldview, yeah.
3: th- they do notice. They notice yeah. it, yeah. My always, my guiding thing for any piece of stand-up is can I go to bed and feel happy Mm. when I go to sleep can I feel happy about what I've said Mm. or am I trying to put something really dark out into the world I
0: think there is that I go oh am I making the world worse because when I first started seeing stand-up although lots of it's supposed to be like I would say in quote marks, like, ironical. So a man who goes on and does a whole th- show about how much he hates women and they're just uh, hoes and you can't trust them. And and the whole point you're supposed to get, that he's joking because it's comedy, but I think, are we were all listening to that <laughs> for an hour and 20 minutes. It, it's and it feels of... like the world's worse. So, because actually laughing at that for a really long time, yeah, I, I personally feel really uncomfortable with it.
3: Yeah, I think I watched a Bill Burr one and I felt yeah. like that because I remember so many... People, and I i should say, I do think he's incredibly skilled as a comedian. And yeah, this it's is, not saying,
0: oh, he's rubbish. How did he get yeah. so famous? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and
3: so I wanted to... Uh, so far that I almost challenged myself, because I watched it, and I i think it was... Uh, it's the one where he talks about, I don't know if you've seen it, Arnie and the army of gold-digging whores, and it's never okay to hit a woman... Oh, and so I was told by about five different male comics mm. that I didn't understand the bit. He's not saying it's okay to hit a woman. I was like, I know the bit. I've watched the show. Yeah. What I'm saying is what, what, does he, what does he say? He says, like, um, it's not because Chris Rock has a bit of like, you should never hit a woman, but you could shake I'd shake the shit out of one. Okay. Which is one bit that he has. The, yeah. I think the Bill Burr bit is, it's it's never okay, but it's never okay, but Yeah. And then there's a bit in in the show where he says, Do you remember those women in the fifties? they were just like, my mum and my dad, he was like, I'm jealous of the way my dad used to speak to my mum and it's so horrific the way yes. his dad speaks to his yeah. mum. He was like, those women, they would just absorb shit and then just yeah. get on with their lives. But he'd say that, he, they just absorb it and then his mum's crying in the kitchen. You go, that's not someone absorbing, that's yeah. someone... That's on who's trapped by economics and they can't leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They didn't so, just absorb it. And that, yeah. that for me, just makes go. me think for how self-aware most comedians are that you can't come out from that and see yeah. the broader ramifications mm. of, of what that means. Um, so over the course of an hour I just watched Misogyny and I felt sort of a bit brutalised by it at the end and I think since he's sort of come out and gone yeah I regret some of the stuff in it
0: yeah I think so I've never really sought him out and him and there's a couple of other comics who I know are technically very very good at what they do and also hugely successful but it's that thing of like because I know I don't enjoy it like you say I avoid it. And I think one of the things I do believe about comedy is it's so democratic. Actually, this is what the problem with the Louis C.K. turning up at a gig thing is, as we discussed the other day. People vote with their money. They choose to go and see certain comics. So you can't say, I don't agree with Bill Burr, so I'm closing the theatre down. He's, he's cancelled. <laughs> yeah, he's cancelled everyone. He's cancelled everyone. Um, it's absolutely people's choice. It's our choice not to go. It's other people's choice to go. I love that about comedy. that it Because... Basically, it makes money from the minute you can fill thirty seats. Like you can, you can pay yourself, which means that each comedian is a kind of cottage industry, and they take it all over the world. And people decide whether to go on or to walk out. Also, with comedy, people stand up and tell you if they disagree. They go, they stand up, and and I love that about it. It doesn't happen at a theatre. No one's (laughs) ever like, no. But uh, at the same time, that's the thing with comedians who have um, made. The workplace dangerous for other people and then just turning up unannounced the audience don't get a chance to go in all seriousness thinking about it logically
3: do i want to, do I want be, to be part here? of this yeah not like Louis C.K. to do something unconsensual. Uh, but but uh, yeah, that's exactly mm. it. And I think there's a there's a difference there as well between between um, material and the individual. Mm. So with someone like Bill might be the nicest person in the dressing room because he's put out that show and it's a bit misogynist. Yeah. But in his life, his misogyny... At least, I can kind of go, at least his misogyny is laid bare on stage. You kind of yeah, know that's, who he that's is. The joke. is, telling it? you. That's the
0: thing, it's the joke. And I think that's the thing is when people go you don't understand the joke the joke is he's being a misogynist and we're all laughing because you're not allowed to do that and he doesn't believe it and I guess that's the thing you know like when Donald Trump says grab him by the pussy and then he goes I was joking that's how men speak to each other and you go that's the thing you can say about
3: anything the joke was (laughs) it's not allowed and you're not supposed to yeah Yeah. well that's the other thing about turning anything into a joke that's where there's a whole discussion to be had about free speech and mm. freedom of speech with Count Dankula. Yeah, exactly and when does a joke cross a line into hate speech? I think when they're definitely not a comedian <laughs> like yeah. Donald Trump, yeah. you kind of go, well, maybe it's not your place to make jokes with, when um, you
0: the the law in this country is um you can't they have freedom of speech unless... Because you know that speaker's corner, so you can't you still can't insult the monarch, that's written in, that you and you're not allowed to incite a riot. And that's what I think about hate speech. Uh, if what you're making is a joke that's supposed to is trying to turn other people into um, objects or enrage other people against them then we've already written that into free speech you're not allowed to do it it's not you can't say anything
3: yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that, uh, to come back to the Bill Burthing mm. I did challenge myself I went to see him in Edinburgh mm. and what I found interesting was I went with Paul and it was kind of a work in progress and there were two really standout bits mm. that were like kind of incredible bits of stand-up but the audience.
0: Yeah.
3: Were unbearable. Yeah. And I do think you build that audience with the well, type of stand happens up you to do. to
0: Frankie Boyle. So, Frankie Boyle says some of the most horrific things. I mean, they're incredibly written, but he does say horrific things. That is the joke. Like, yeah. Uh, he says, and so, some of the things he says are very hateful. Most people who go to see him politically agree with him, so the targets. But he does, he criticizes people based on their appearance. He calls women horrible names based on what they look like. Um, but in real life, a very kind of soft, gentle man whose audience make his gigs unbearable for him because the people who are attracted by.
2: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.
0: the way that he speaks. So it, it's a vicious cycle. My audience are so nice. Like we did previews together. Yeah. And they're just
3: lovely people. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. so lovely. Yeah, yeah. And I often see your crowd like, um, uh, Instagram or tweet you bits mm. from your book that they've loved that yeah. they've enjoyed that level of engagement or that I got like a, a message the other day and this will be a a, a question that, mm. that I wanted to ask at the end, but I can ask you it now. But I got a message the other day going, I saw you and it was just, a, I was trying out stuff for like mm. mock the week. So it's just in yes, a 20 yeah. minutes somewhere. And someone went, I really loved it. And you, Ignited a feminist fire that I didn't know was there ah. I thought it was really intellectual and this was a woman it like she wasn't young yeah. sometimes you'll get that off like 17, 18 year old girls yes. and you go oh yeah. that's really exciting this was a woman who was like in her mid 30s yeah. and I was like that's what I want that's what I want that's what I'm yeah. aiming for yeah. that's yeah. what we get from our audiences but I think if you build a house of hate mm. <laughs> you're going to fill it yeah. with yeah. hateful people oh you
0: just really put me back in touch with my hatred <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think um so, so this is the thing about stand-up in general. Because no one invites you, there's no qualifications. There's not even, like, a drama school that you go to. Um, so with other creative subjects, you would, like, train under people and be, like, there's none of that. So everyone's just themselves. Sometimes the act of being heard and speaking, that's why it has to remain so diverse. And and the more diverse, the better for it as a, as a what would you call it? It like begins with a habitat for like right. all of the creatures to exist in because that makes the audience be really diverse that means that all different kinds of people will come to see comedy or find a comedian that speaks
3: to them the point of defense or when we decide to forgive people because we mentioned earlier mm. so it's a bit all over the place but i wanted to come back to the louis ck C. thing mm. for a moment It would be amazing if he did some kind of reparation. Like, you know, as someone who loved his stand-up, I would love to see him kind of show some kind of contrition. I think even to discuss what is... Uh... How
0: do you you become forgiven? Because if you have someone who's encroached, but you're not going to go to prison for it... Because the thing is, if you go to prison, you're let out, and people understand that's the system we all understand. Yes. You broke the rules, you're punished, but you don't get punished forever. Yeah. Um, None of us think that criminals shouldn't be employed again. People should
3: be given second chances.
2: Some people do, but we don't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: So... um, but, but yeah, yeah, so when when does the punishment begin and end? And that's what people are trying to have. But that, and also again,
0: when you're trying to save your career, every single person in his life will be saying, the more you say sorry, the less chance you've got of coming back from
3: this. Right. So every, everyone the... in
0: his life who's got an interest in him making money will be saying to him,
3: the less you apologise, the better. The quicker this blows over. The better. Yeah, because
0: you're not Cosby. They'll be saying to him. Yeah,
3: and it, there are differences and it's really important to note the differences between that version of sexual assault yes. and... Yeah, and, and what, yeah. what? Bill what Bill and also did. that's the thing is like like with all crimes, there is a sliding scale. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and there has to be. There has mm. to be. There, it's not black and white. We're, what we're entering into is a lot of grey on all of this stuff and conversations yes. about consent which, and active, which consent. isn't to,
0: which isn't to say that anyone anyone's experience isn't is so affected is so subjectively affected. So I'm not saying that that's not to dismiss their experience of it, but in terms of punishment,
3: yes. Yeah. So I think as well, here's the, here's what I think is interesting about it. I think regardless of apology, what about the women that it affected? Because we are Mm. centred around the person who's the moneymaker, who is the king, uh, who is this person. So if something could be done for those women to give them back, uh, and also, is it up to us to decide? This is the problem. So the thing is, I think if this happened here, I know how our
0: industry works, as in like us women, and how well connected we are, and absolutely know that if the equivalent of a very famous male comedian... To female comedians that we knew we would be looking after them so i don't know if that is happening in america right um there was do you remember there was a comic i mean i think it's jenny collier who p- published a letter she got from a gig saying we accidentally booked two women so we've cancelled you yeah and then everyone booked her the next week like she actually then was suddenly playing much bigger gigs because everyone was like that is so terrible that happened to you but they then knew how to contact her and who she was or they watched her clip to see is she actually any good at being dropped from a gig yes and so I really hope that is happening in America around these people and um, and actually I think it's the same vice versa for Louis CK like while I absolutely don't stand I don't think he shouldn't have a career he absolutely has to talk he has to overcome this he because, has to overcome yeah, it he'll, he'll have to talk about it on stage in a way and that might be the longest journey is working
3: out how he's going to. I think the surprise is, I suppose, that he was in a comedy club as opposed to... Because people will still go and see him. And that's when of you build they would, your, he, your fan base. An, annoyingly, that's... he'll sell out a massive tour in four hours. Yes. But <laughs> like, of course he will, because people are yeah. be so fascinated. But when it's at a comedy club, they have a level of responsibility to other comedians and women. Do yeah. they feel safe backstage? Yeah, I mean, Do they that's feel safe? It. It's not... Louis CK has to number
0: one realise now that he's been told this he can't do this to women anymore and, and comedy clubs have to be aware who they're employing yeah yeah,
3: like, uh, yeah. and I think his audience as well and in a slightly different way to Bill Burr's audience but I saw a lot of people online I think that was part of the frustration I guess people that were offending, def- defending Louis CK mm. people that were defending Louis CK were doing these really sort of bad faith arguments yeah. and quite misogynist Attacking of women online. Yes. This isn't helping your case. Yeah. And also, any other male comedians going, Well, how long is long enough? We yeah. need to think about how men come back from yes, this. And I think course. the anger for yeah. that is going, We're barely into this for women. Yeah. So, also, I think so many
0: of them have got at least one night. Because this is my theory about, I think there are lots of very good men in general there are lots of very good men There's a bad decisions there are there are a few of them that have, have have ruined someone's night let's say that yeah and and when it becomes gray area for them as in i'm not a rapist yeah i just didn't leave this woman alone because i was drunk or i did like we were talking about edinburgh like say like grabbing someone's tits because you think it's so funny i think a lot of them once the gray area became like oh people find out about it and that's it it's it's not a police issue yeah but it's a it's social media we all we, know about it yeah. all of a sudden I think there's a lot of men when I say a lot I don't mean all of them I don't even mean over
3: half but who are scared yes <laughs> yeah terrified that they have yeah they've had a night any good I think any good man would go back through the Rolodex in the light of what happened I even remember discussing it with I was in Australia and I was mm. with um Lauren duca who's like really really funny you should check her out mm. I mentioned this on the pod she writes for Team Vogue but she does all the political stuff for them, and we we were in Australia and we were just having lunch in a really nice beachside mm. cafe. And I was with I was with my my partner Paul, and we were talking in fact about Amy Schumer's bit. Amy yeah. Schumer has a bit about grape, the grey yes. area of yeah. rape, yeah. like yeah. where you've kind of where everyone's everyone's had sex with someone where afterwards they go that was sort of yeah that wasn't quite consensual yeah or I relented. And we started talking about it, and I talked about an experience that I'd had, mm. and Lauren talked about an experience. And we talked about nights where we were quite drunk, but we just went along with it. And he was like, oh my God, this makes me feel sick. Mm. Because what if there's been a night where we've both been quite drunk and a girl's just gone along with it? And it's not that any of these men go, I've... But isn't that the thing? So, you know, like in um, colleges and universities
0: when they try to do consent training and lots of people, lots of people just went along to them, men and women, and I'm sure non-binary. And some men got so like, don't tell me, I know what it is, I know what it is. And it's like, well, unless you've asked yourself that question, you don't. Yes. And it's not accusing you of anything. It's saying, ask yourself that question. Yeah. And the difference between kind of he just went active, oh drunken fumblings when i was young yeah, yeah. you know
3: and you go no you didn't do anything wrong but the fact that you've, you 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 kind of go oh mm. i've not thought about the fact of like because some, some men have had
0: the same situation like i was researching for my book i've read lots of situations where, where men have felt too embarrassed because sex is embarrassing yeah especially if you don't know someone very well and if you don't have communication set up that's the whole point of like talking to young people about it is going you might both not want to do something but not want to upset the other person or be trying to please them or it becomes a point for So many people they go, Oh, it's too
3: late to stop it or say no. And that can happen all of these different gradients. And I think good men will go back, good men as well will go back and kind of go, Was there ever a time I was shitty to a woman because I Mm. turned her down? So I feel that's a bigger thing as well. Sometimes the lose lose situation is if you say no. So I'm imagining the Louis situation where he says, Can I? And you say no. That's career crushing a yeah. problem between the two of you if you say yeah. yes that's career crushing a problem between the yeah. two, you know there's a kind of no win there yeah whereas it's kind of like blackballing or punishment or you know not blackballing stonewalling mm. I mean like you well, it, well we know from our industry it's a gig economy people have to like you to give you work
0: and they might not even acknowledge themselves the reason they don't like you is you made them feel like a lich yeah. Because when they said uh, uh, to you and you were like, excuse me, I'm your peer and I'm at work. Don't speak to me like that. And then they won't even acknowledge I don't book her because she basically called me a Called pervert. me out on my shit. Yeah, instead <laughs> you go, no, nah, I've just never got it. Never got it. Don't think she's that good. And you believe that about it. But yes. the reason you don't think I'm very good is because <laughs> you don't. Uh, the
3: thought of me upsets you because I upset you. Yes, yeah. I turned you down. Mm. I, I said no. Or sometimes well,
0: it's just, and this is a lesser thing, not playing the game and again I don't think this is necessarily gendered so I'm not saying that men don't have this experience but when you go for a meeting there's a kind of flirtation that goes on anyway like you act interested in what they're saying you listen properly lots of eye contact when you don't do those things people don't employ you so there is a thing like lots of stuff in our industry the people who get on better with some of the producers or execs get their shows made like we're human beings are like we're we're mammals we can't help but go this is my tribe and that's what's happened a lot with like structural racism and things is that people like people who look like them and so when all the execs are white people that yes, and that's why problems. that's why
3: the white male, and this is one occasion where I can say white male, yeah, uh, white male middle class, mm. preferably Oxbridge, just voice fit. is yes. so dominant because yeah. so many of those people reflects, are part of yeah. the hierarchy of television, mm. and they go, well, no, I get this, yeah. so therefore this is me, and you go, yeah, but that's not society. I, I think it's such an advanced point that
0: we're getting to in civilization that we at least know that now. And I remember um, a couple of years ago, remember when there were. Everyone who was nominated for Oscars was white. And I remember saying something to our friend Nish Kumar about, oh my God, these terrible um, judges should just make sure they're really considering people who aren't white. And he went, no, all the judges shouldn't be white. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was like, oh, of oh, course, yeah. it's so obvious.
0: It's so obvious, but me, a white person, couldn't see it. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. And, and it's a thing. And again, like, this is why you need kind people around you. I'm not saying people shouldn't be furious and shouldn't be angry because they're they're, they're absolutely entitled to that. But when there's someone who will tell you in a nice way, like your friend Nish to go, "Um, (laughs) it's ridiculous you don't realize that that starts right at the top and you go, oh yeah. (laughs)
3: I guess this kind of moves into the kind of social change aspect of it mm. like I mentioned dermatil- dermatillomania in oh, one yes, of my shows yes, yeah. and someone sent me an email afterwards going I came to see the show and it was the first time I've been out of the house in weeks and thank you oh, they didn't even know it was in the show yeah. because I wasn't even really aware mm. of something so like I said I've seen your Instagram post mm. but have you ever received an email that's made you go oh wow
0: yeah I'm really um really lucky and actually I get embarrassed about it because it kind of feels feel like it's not worth it but I, I tell you things that really make me happy I get emails where people tell me sad things that have happened to them so some of it I wasn't able to get pregnant for a really long time also still I'm not <laughs> I've had so many babies today but um, <laughs> uh, I wasn't able to get pregnant so I had a routine about not being able to get pregnant which wasn't uh, in great detail I've talked about PCOS So similarly, and also I had a lot of stuff about consent in my book so people sometimes tell me sad things or hopeful things or and that feels very personal but it's when the other day there's a, a little girl, she's 13, and I've just arranged for her and her mum to come to one of my tour shows. And um, she listens to my audiobook, she falls asleep, and in the morning she asks someone questions. And, like, that's just so adorable. And then I had a girl who changed her A-level subjects after she read my book. And then, like, so she's 16 and picks... And things like that, yeah, you feel this incredible connection and actually what you're really swelled with is this feeling of, like we're all just trying our best. <laughs> that's it. And all you're doing is putting yourself out there and going, oh, I think maybe this, or being a little bit vulnerable. You know, like the Brené Brown talks so much about strength and vulnerability. Yes. And I th- and I think there's no one who wouldn't benefit from watching her TED Talks. They're on YouTube, everyone. And just remembering that sometimes you go, I feel really scared to admit it, and then you admit it, and it makes other people feel stronger. I think that's the only way. get To come back to the capitalism thing, our industry is thriving in some areas and shriveling up and dying in others and that is a sign of you have to create an audience and they have to, to there's so much on Netflix right to leave the house <laughs> yeah. it's such an incredible thing to come and see something sit in the room get dressed so there has to be something there for people that they can't get anywhere else
3: yeah and they yeah they've made a big effort to come yeah. and see you um, and that's the beauty of doing tour shows you know that they're they're only to see yeah to see you, yeah.
0: I don't like doing other gigs now, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, no, you're here for the night, not for me, yeah. Yeah, you do get spoiled, <laughs> yeah.
3: don't you? Yeah, sometimes it's nice to come out of your comfort zone, um, yeah, just remember, oh, I've got to say hello properly, <laughs> yeah. Has there ever been a bit that you've written that you faced sort of hostility when you did it, but you've managed to push through and create this? this really rewarding piece mm. or or a piece of political material or social justice material that you thought, oh, actually, this is... Because you do uh, your opinions as well, yes. you know, similar to me. Do you know what? I um, I was very lucky. I did a show called Stand Up for the Week
0: when I was only doing stand-up maybe four or five years, maybe four years, and when I got the job, John Richardson said to me, never forget, we're not the luckiest people in the world so we get to talk about the news and our opinion on it in public and he said we're very very privileged so number one I thought okay be very very careful about what you say but make sure so I would always make sure I politically agreed with what I was saying where sometimes it's really annoying because it's so much funnier you just make it make fun of be someone's contrary. face <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but no but then Dan Swimer who was he's one of Simon Amstel's writers he gave me this incredible advice I had this routine that's all about Hargan. Das had done this uh had a Facebook group and they'd done um an app and it was I was just really um It was all about women eating ice cream and eating ice cream to make when they've been dumped, and I just I hated it so much, and I had written this like ten-minute monologue, and he went while your point is right and people will agree with you, it's very hard to listen to you because <laughs> you're <all> ranting. Yeah. <laughs> and then he said, be sarcastic and say the opposite to what you think sometimes. And it was really good. It was, and then he said, that's what Simon Amstel does. He doesn't say, I think everyone should be a vegan. <laughs> he goes, it's like, he says it in this other way. And then, mm, mm. and it was such a huge learning lesson to go, sometimes you can't earnestly say what you think. You have to do the opposite and go, oh, good idea, Hagen Dass." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love you, New York, So... Playing with ways like that, because usually if I try something at New Material and I feel like I'm lecturing people, I drop it. Or I just save it and go, I know I want to talk about it, but I
3: need to find a funny way to do it. Yeah, I need to find a way to get into that bit that doesn't make people instantly go, "Yeah,
0: Yeah, also sometimes you go, if you, a bit like with jokes, if you can guess what's coming, that's not a good joke. If, If it's the kind of joke that anyone in a pub could make then it's not good enough for a comic yes and then same with opinions i think if you already agree so if everyone do you know what i don't think people really like donald trump right (laughs) i've just picked up on this vibe (laughs) so to say you don't like donald trump isn't a sentence you need to say out loud yes but so it's more fascinating to criticize him while pretending you're a big fan yeah (laughs) yeah to go why does no one like trump he did this and then you can talk about it and no one goes no one even realizes you're criticizing him
3: Yeah. yeah yeah um Challenging perceptions. Is there ever a point when it's too late to change someone's views?
0: Most people. (laughs) Like, um, there's a really amazing book I always talk about called Heretics by Will Storr. And it's about how people believe things without evidence. And actually, for most of us as adults... So what he explains really well is if the brain changed its mind all the time, reality wouldn't be solid. (laughs) Uh, Our brain's trying to protect us. Yes, yes. So we don't go mad. So uh, the book is full of brain studies where it shows people... We skip negative things about people we like. Like we, um, there was a there was a list of sentences about these Republican politicians, and they watch people in MRIs, or maybe not MRIs, but watch their eyes kind of skipping negativity, because you like our, our brain does protect us from certain things. So I also, I think respecting other people's uh, right to disagree with us. Because if we all believe, if everyone should believe the same as us, then we do become dictators. Yeah. Because like, that is what dictators do. They go, no, 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 I've definitely, I'm right about this. And I need to persuade everyone by forcing them. And then, so there is this thing where you go, you should always question like your rights to it to go, oh, I'm gonna put, like I say, here's my workings. Yeah. I'll put it out there, especially if your job is to be an entertainer, but not to go, no, I think I can
3: sort out this country's politics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should all run for office. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, so that's that's the difference between us. I think we're only ever representing ourselves, yeah. so we can put our opinions out on a line. Well, that's in, it. In I always think about
0: can't. a comedian's job is just to communicate clearly and concisely, so everyone can understand you. And then you watch a politician. You go, did you unlearn speaking? And they have because they can't just let their brain talk to their mouth anymore. They have to filter it through. What am I allowed to say? And that's why they don't seem most of them seem very human which is why unfortunately people who are really good at talking like Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage of course they do so well politically because they people seem like they're charming they can actually just talk and then they go yeah said it <laughs> i said it you can't fire me everyone likes me
3: yeah that's a good question to end on i think mm. thank you Great. so much thank Sarah. you
1: you've been listening to a lush podcast You can find more podcasts from us wherever you find podcasts, usually on the internet.
2: The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass fed whole milk instead of skim?